Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Life Science Marketing Radio. We have a great episode today. Uh, We're going to talk about planning and strategy and marketing, along with a few other things. I should probably explain what's happening here. First of all, no, you're not in the wrong place. You haven't fallen a worm through a wormhole. This is LSMR, um, although you may actually hear the dogs, and so uh, dogs on LSMR, it's not the first time, uh, so that's consistent. So my name is David Schiffer, and I run Filament Life Science Communications, which is at its oversimplified best, uh, kind of a tactical counterpart to the type of work people like Chris do on the strategic side. Put another way, I do a lot of writing and content generation for life science and healthcare companies. Uh, I serve as kind of an extra set of hands. So why am I here? A couple years ago, I was considering starting a podcast designed for science marketers. Uh, it was an exceptionally brilliant idea, except for the fact that one, I was just starting out and knew nothing about marketing. And also because after about eight seconds of quote unquote research, I found an existing podcast called Life Science Marketing Radio. Bummer. Someone who had Already an entire career in the field that I wanted to pretend to talk about was imparting his wisdom and the wisdom of his extremely accomplished guests, so that was immediately out. Uh, In the end, I did a short-lived podcast targeted more towards the graduate student and postdoc side of things, which is kind of the world that I've inhabited for quite a few years. Uh, But somewhere in there, I thought it'd be good to try and connect with the host of LSMR. Uh, My opportunity at the because at the time I, th- I thought I needed an excuse uh, came when some weird glitch in the feed kept LSMR from updating properly. Uh, I found Chris's contact info, sent a very nervous and probably pretty awkward email, and as you all would expect uh, from listening to him and knowing him, I got a very friendly and gracious response back. And long story short, since then, Chris has been really invaluable to me in my professional development. Um, He served as a sounding board, a mentor, an empathizer in the travails of the self-employed, and a podcasting resource, a cheerleader, uh, and even more recently, a client and a partner. So... After listening to him interview people, you know, all across the sciences, all across the life sciences, and also outside of uh, the sciences for you know whatever it's been fifty some odd episodes, I told Chris that we needed to flip this around and hear from him. So my guest today, trained as a scientist, he picked up degrees in molecular biology and genetics. He worked his way through a few different positions and found himself in the communications and marketing world. As marketing communications manager at Varian, he was responsible for strategy and execution, uh, kind of managing a marketing team focused on mass spec products, among a number of other things. He also spent time at Agilent after it bought out Varian and then moved on to be marketing communications director for mass spec at Thermo Fisher. Out of that experience, he launched Life Science Marketing Radio in 2013. And there he helps life science companies create integrated content marketing strategies to generate more leads with less effort, which is, as one of my favorite sayings goes, very simple, but not even close to easy. Chris Connor, it's great to have you as a guest on your own podcast. (laughs) Well, thanks. Thanks very much, David. And thanks for really a fantastic introduction. And it's funny that you think of that same thing because I was so grateful the day I got your email. In fact, I was mountain biking um, in the open space near here, and I got your email because I thought something funny was going on with the podcast, but I wasn't sure. And then you let me know that in <laughs> fact it was, and so that was a huge help to keep this thing going. Great. Well, glad it was helpful. And I actually went back to try to find that email and couldn't. So I'm, I'm not sure if I sent you a contact form 
uh, a contact through your web form or what the deal was. But regardless, I'm glad I'm glad it worked out. Uh, and that that kind of put me on the cycle of going back through some of our emails and just seeing the different things we've talked about and the introductions we've been able to make for each other. And it's it's been fun. So glad to glad to help. All right. Well, you know how this goes. So let's let's jump right in. I think the first thing, Chris, is tell us what you are trying to accomplish first with your consultancy and second with the Life Science Marketing Radio podcast. Yeah, so with the consultancy, of course, um, I'm trying to help life science marketers, as you said in the introduction, make content marketing easier for them. Um, And we'll talk a little bit more in detail about you know how that happens later but I I'm trying to fill a gap I mean it is strategic but I think um, a lot of marketers in our industry have been pretty well educated on the general ideas around content marketing but when it comes down to like how do we actually do this how do we make it happen and how do we do it well that's that's what I'm trying to help people figure out in the easiest possible way and then with with the podcast um, I started the podcast uh, about two years ago, so we're right around the two-year anniversary here, even though the first couple were you know, spread out in the previous year, but consistently started podcasting just about two years ago. And thought, I can't, I was blogging at the time, and I thought, people don't want to hear from me just talking about content marketing every week. So let's do something different and let's hear from some other people. So my intent there was, of course, to do content marketing for myself. So I'm eating my own dog food and at the same time create a resource for a community that people can use and it will be helpful to both senior and more junior people in the life sciences and then I also look at it as something it's an art project for me I want to create something (laughs) that lasts and honestly I think about this frequently you know I've had fabulous interactions based on the podcast I know there's a growing community I ran into somebody at a trade show the other day and and I'd never seen him before he goes I know you from Twitter I listen to your podcast so that's fantastic. Um, it's, it's amazing. But I think even if no one was listening, I, I would enjoy doing this just because it's it's fun to talk to all these smart people and uh, I feel like I'm leaving behind a collection of my work. So you talked about people being pretty well educated in you know, what content marketing is, how it works, and certainly you've been part of providing that education. How does... Just for a quick recap, you know, what is content marketing about? And then, of course, how does the podcast fit into LSMR's overall content marketing strategy? I mean, I, I love the fact that you're talking about it as an art project and that you, you're, you're, you know, whether or not anybody listens, whatever, you're going to do it. Um, but the great thing is you can have an art project that also serves a business project. So, you know, what does that look like for you? Right. Well, so what content marketing is supposed to look like is, is more than creating content and sending it out to your email list. It's it's creating content that people in your um, that you desire to create an audience out of look forward to or rely on as a resource. So beyond your product, how can you help the community that you're trying to reach with your marketing and hopefully get them subscribed 
to your mailing list or whatever you're trying to do so that you can continue to reach out to them, not only with the helpful content, but then the educational and the persuasive content and even the post-sales content to really take them all the way through your funnel from um, someone who isn't really aware of you and your, or your business all the way to becoming an advocate for your brand. Mm -hmm. um, and so I always look at it as like there's two stages. There's the funnel where you're trying to move people through that they know they have, they've identified the need and they need some education and help making choices and so on. And then laying on top of that is the whole awareness and attraction strategy of the content that is just relevant. So that's how the podcast, I think, fits into my content marketing. Not every episode, and in fact, I would say a minority of the episodes are really about content marketing. They are just what I think. Um, they're based on things I know I've struggled with as a marketing manager, and I know that other people do as well. And I'm just curious about how other people solve these problems and try to put out um, content based on interviews with experts who can help people solve those problems. And a great example of that is the the conversation you had uh, a couple of weeks that was released a couple of weeks prior to the recording of this conversation that we're having now when you talked with Daniel McRitchie. Uh, and, and that was really kind of a down and dirty tactical, you know, how do you use Facebook, which as you noted in that conversation isn't something that necessarily gets a lot of chatter among the life sciences crowd and something that you hadn't really dealt with. So um, I really like what you said there about just finding problems that you have and that you know, because you're, you're in a lot of ways part of your own audience, uh, you know, your audience has, and then figuring out who can help you solve them. Yeah. And, and I just hope that, you know, some of these ideas, I don't expect everybody, of course, to go out and create a, you know, a Facebook campaign around their next trade show. Sure. But it's helpful to, I appreciate having these ideas and I, I think the audience is busy. And the great thing about the podcast is they can listen to this, you know, on their drive to work, on the way home from work. So it doesn't require sitting down and plowing through the internet for ways they can improve their marketing. They can just absorb this while they're doing other things. And hopefully um, it, it inspires them a little bit and then adds a little lightness to their marketing world. <laughs> I think and try, I hope that it's fun and enjoyable enough that it's just, hey, this is, I love my job and this is a cool thing that helps me do it better. Yeah, that's great. And, and as a member of your, of, of your audience, I'll say that I've gotten a lot of value out of that. And I don't always remember specifics. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But I've realized that over the last couple of years of listening that there are ideas that I've sort of absorbed. Um, and I've had other opportunities to kind of interact with your content through projects that we've worked on. But it's great because now as I develop, I sort of, you know, some of these ideas just become ingrained. And I realize after the fact that I've, I've pick them up from your guests. So I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you also get some good discussion and debate and not everybody's always on the same page. So, you know, you can have some fun with that as well. Um, so Chris, your podcast has, has covered a lot of different topics as we've already alluded to. And, and these vary from really high level to again, the, you know, how do you run a Facebook, Facebook campaign, um, you know, and everything in between. But something that I've noticed as I've gone through the podcasts, um, 
is that there's a few themes that seem to kind of run across all the conversations. And those, I'm sure there are others, but those are, are talent or people, um, leadership in marketing roles, personal growth, and then planning. And we could do a whole conversation with you on all of those. Uh, we're going to focus more on the planning side, but these are always there in the conversations with your guests. And how do you think these themes fit into your philosophy of marketing, assuming that you think those themes are there in the first place? Yeah, well, they certainly are. And, you know, they fit in, in the first um, instance, because, again, I'm not trying, I could do a podcast that was completely about content marketing, because that's the focus of my business. But I don't want to hammer my audience with week after week of content marketing advice. And I, having been a Marcom director, I know that Marcom directors and managers and even the entry-level people, they, they have other worries besides how do we create content and run effective campaigns. So if you're a Marcom manager or director, you might be thinking, like, how do I attract the best people to my team? How do I find the right skill set? How do I evaluate those people? If you are a younger um, person who's enthusiastic about developing their career, some of my guests, I think, have given good guidance on the types of things you can do. And then even at a much higher level, for example, Chuck Drucker, who's the president of the ACPS, talked about how important relationships are in the value chain of businesses and why it's important to develop yourself and develop those skills for maintaining those relationships and how they tie directly to revenue for companies. So um, it's an important thing, important way I think I can help my audience without, um, again, hammering them with content marketing advice in every episode. Great. So what has... What has that done for your business as you've talked to these people and picked up kind of the underlying themes, but also the the specific uh, tactics of, of what they're talking about? You know, what have you been able to translate into uh, uh, development for LSMR? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, on the, on the professional side, I will say that having done a podcast has been the best networking tool you can possibly imagine. Um, first of all, I, you know, I started out interviewing people that I knew or that I had interacted with to some degree on LinkedIn. Um, and that, that was great and got a good response. And then as it evolves, now I'm able to reach out to people who don't even know me and say, hey, yeah, I have a podcast. You might be interested in, one, listening to an episode, and two, would, I think you've done something really interesting. Would you be in, willing to be a guest? And that has um, really made that process much easier. So the fact that I can invite someone onto a podcast has made it very easy for me to connect to people on LinkedIn. And of course, while I'm doing the podcast, I have a smile on my face every week because these experts are just pouring their advice out on, on the show. And uh, I know it's valuable to the audience and it's valuable to me. On the tactical level, I'd say... Um, the thing that has probably most impacted my business um, was talking with Karen Cushman of Cushman Creative about branding, who you introduced me to, I think. Um, but I will say, if you're a startup, 
my curiosity there was when you're starting up a biotech company or some sort of research endeavor, you know, how do you get a brand going when you have no track record? And the importance of having a brand, which really goes beyond getting business cards and a logo on a pretty website, it's really you know, establishing your story, even if you don't have a track record or customers yet, you, you have a story that you want other people to be a part of. And honestly, um, my brand has evolved over the four years I've been in business. And, you know, now I think it's crystallizing to the point and Karen is helping me with it in a fantastic way. Um, so you, you'll see a few changes over the next few weeks in what shows up on Life Science Marketing Radio on, on the website not, and on the podcast. Um, so that's, that's probably the big takeaway there is the importance of really putting some effort into thinking about your brand story even at the earliest stages. Yeah, that's great. There's always a reason that you're starting something. Even if there's, even if there's nothing there yet, you don't just fall into it. So what's the reason that, you know, you're, you're filling out the paperwork and, and, uh, getting the company up and running. Right. And it'll evolve. I'm I'm sure for most companies they pivot. I've pivoted. I don't know how many times, uh, sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm spinning around on one skate, but, um, but yeah, I think we're, we're on the right track now and it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. So I want to talk about that a little bit more here in a couple of minutes where you're, where you're going in the latest adjustment or pivot, or I don't know, I don't know how wide the angle is for the the shift that you would, as you would define it. But before we get there, um, I want to talk a little bit more about planning because that also ties into some of the stuff we're going to talk about here in a minute. It's important to note that, you know, like so many things, every business, every consultant kind of has their own slightly different system, but for the most part, you're going to find, you know, some pretty common themes um, among everyone. Um, and so in your case, you approach planning from the perspective of a roadmap, the content roadmap. Uh, and, and as Chris alluded to, some changes coming up and, and there's actually going to be a, a visual representation of this roadmap uh, coming from Chris in the near future. So stay tuned for that. Anyway, but you, you've stripped all the craziness about formulas and worksheets and you know, trying to put a big, unique, this is our company and this is our spin and this is what you have to do. You've, you've pulled all that out and created the simple principle of what do you need to hit your marketing goals, uh, which is one of the things that I think is really appealing to how you approach this stuff is, is um, you know, if it works, great. If it doesn't, dump it. How, how do you view this approach? And, you know, tell us a little bit about how you think about planning. And also I should note for the everyone listening, I, I'm just as a podcasting thing, as the host, I'm talking too much. I need to shorten my <laughs> questions and hand it back over to Chris. No, no, it's uh, <laughs> there's no one else I'd rather have host this podcast. So, um, as far as planning goes, one of the challenges I see and have experienced firsthand is creating a lot of content um, based on. Uh, one-off requests or perceived needs in different areas and what it, and I think like your marketing in general everybody understands that you should be very focused in your marketing like if you're trying to sell to everyone you're selling to no one well even if you're trying to sell to many different types of customers with your content marketing 
you're probably not creating an effective content marketing story for any one of those. So, and I've heard companies say this, I see it, but they've said to me, yeah, we have all kinds of content. It's all over the place. It doesn't really fit together to address a specific um, goal. So my, my whole approach to helping companies with their content marketing, and this is very much just a practical uh, application, is to, first of all, make sure you have a goal that can be addressed by content marketing. So that it's got to be pretty specific because now we're going to define an audience that you want to do something, whether it's more traffic, more leads, um, better follow-up after a sale, define that. Um, group of people pretty narrowly and create the content they need and as you're thinking about how you create that content we want to also at the same time think about all the different ways we could use it and so the, the approach I take is to map out the buyer's journey in a fair amount of detail and all at once so this is the key thing so we're thinking about all the content we might make at one time rather than what do we need now and what do we need now and what do we need later uh, to think about it all from the big picture and list it all out and as you do that um, with my approach and the way we map out the buyer's journey in detail I have a tool that will help you and it, it, honestly it is a worksheet but very simply <laughs> yeah, as I said uh, that I realized that I've, I've seen your you sort out the different possibilities for the types of content you can create so that you can use the same message, the same content, the same images, the same text in many, many different um, assets. So whether it's a video or a podcast, so you and I have talked about this before, um, I'm making a video today, I'm going to strip out the audio, it's going to become a podcast, it will strip out some of that, it will become a blog post or a tweet, um, but we're always thinking ahead about all the ways we can use it so we end up making more content, but it all works together to deliver a consistent message rather than trying to reach too many groups with just a little bit each and hoping that, oh, if they just like this piece, they'll get into our funnel and we can sell them when it's, it takes a longer relationship. So they might need to see your content in different ways over time. Little, adding a little bit more information each time. That's that's the gist of it. Okay. And for more than just a gist, give Chris a call and uh, he can give you more detail. He's got a business to run. So, do you have a specific case study that illustrates this philosophy that you know you're you're willing to talk about? Obviously, you don't have to use specific clients' names or anything. Yeah. Yeah, so um, Tyler Kay and I did a, a, a workshop here in the Bay Area. So Tyler is the um, founder of Digital Creative Associates. And so we got together and we put on a workshop for several companies based on the kind of thing I was just talking about. And then one of the marketing directors at that company said, hey, I want to do this for my whole team. In fact, I have two teams I want to do this for, two different product lines that we could execute this kind of approach on and so I worked with those um, two teams over you know a series of 
days to build out exactly what their content plan was. And uh, the feedback I got having done that was when they showed it to their sales team, the sales team was really excited because, because of the way we had mapped out the buyer's journey, the content that we were going to produce for them fit perfectly in their sales approach. So they had content for every stage of the buyer's journey, something they could give um, a potential customer who wasn't aware of them or what their potential solution was, something that would help them dive a little deeper. Um, we did three personas. They actually had pretty good personas worked out to begin with, which is really, really, uh, that makes it easy. Um, and then content all the way through um, something you might give to them after a purchase and, and keep them engaged. So that's probably the best case study. Um, I mean, nothing makes you happier if you're creating a lot of marketing content than, than to hear that the sales team is actually excited about using it, right? Yeah, expand on that a little bit then because one of the tensions that you hear about a lot is is between marketing and sales and um, getting good leads to the salespeople and having them you know, pretty well validated, but it's just, there's, there's a lot going on. So how does a good content marketing strategy uh, help build that internal relationship? Yeah. Well, um, I think the Maybe key there is, is up front, you know, defining the goals with the input of the sales team. And it seems like uh, this team had done that pretty well and then having those personas. So it, just going into it, it was clear that they had already put in a little bit of work and their obstacle was now what? So we've got these personas and I, I think they were validated by the sales team already. So they knew they had the right ones. And then it was just a matter of, okay, what should we make for them? But I think as far as the sales teams involved, it's really that upfront, what are, what's the goal and who are the people and what do we need to know about those personas that we're trying to reach so we're creating relevant content for every one of them great okay thanks for that uh, sort of little rabbit trail there Chris let's get back to the planning it's time to talk about what you've got going on what you're planning for 2017 uh, and you've already told us that you have been evolving consistently sometimes it's evolution sometimes it's more revolutionary uh, internally with Life Science Marketing Radio, you know whether that's the content you're going to create, the services you're going to offer, um, working with Karen on your brand. Explain what this review process looks like for you, and then if there's anything that you think your listeners can apply to their specific situation. Yeah, I hope this is helpful. Honestly, the review process that happens for me um, typically happens because at Christmas time. Uh, everybody's busy doing other things, whether it's uh, wrapping up their year end, um, you know, trying to wrap up sales and clean up or do their analytics, whatever they're doing, or it's personal stuff and they're taking time off for Christmas. So it gets pretty quiet around here around that time. And so I take that time when it's absolutely quiet and then, you know, I don't have to get up at the, or I don't have to get my kids up to go to school. I'm usually up pretty early and, and, taking advantage of that quiet time but I uh, and thinking about what went well in last year and what didn't and what do I want to do differently next year and it's it's pretty it it's pretty high level so um, 
for example, a couple of years ago, after I had been blogging for a while, and, and people were commenting on my blogs and enjoying them, and I was getting good feedback, but not quite getting the level of interest that I, I thought I should be, I said, all right, I'm going to create a podcast. Uh, and I did that because I found myself listening to many podcasts and mm-hmm. uh, kind of saw the wave coming and thought, I want to get on this thing. And I looked down the wave and I saw you behind me. I want <laughs> <laughs> to get this one. So dog, I dog knew was out there. Trying, yeah. to, trying to keep just a tiny bit of my head above water. Um, so I, I knew somebody was going to do it. I just, mm-hmm. I just felt it. And, and so I said, all right, I'm going to create a podcast. And so that year I got the podcast going and I focused a lot on that. I said, this is my primary focus for the years just to get this thing up and going. So that worked pretty well. Um, at the end of that year, I said, all right, now what, what do I need to do? And so last year was to reach out more proactively to potential clients. And so that was um, a good thing to do. And then this year I'm sitting around and I'm thinking, what can I do differently going forward? And I realized having talked to some people at the ACPLS meeting, something I probably should have realized much sooner. And that is um, that there are a lot of small companies who, who have pretty small marketing budgets, but they still need to create content to compete with everybody else. And they may not have the budget to do a full in-person workshop or uh, hire a big agency to help them with their content. But I thought, you know what, they can work through a content strategy on their own. And so what I'm doing this year is I'm launching an online workshop to essentially walk people through the very same things that I walk companies through in the case study we just talked about. So this would be an opportunity for, um, in a much less expensive way, for companies to uh, start thinking a little bit each day about what their goals are, who their personas are, uh, mapping out the buyer's journey, set up their measurement plan, and and so on. So I'm going to make that as simple as possible. And that's really the big focus this year is to um, create an online resource for companies to do that for themselves. Excellent. So you mentioned a few little teasers for the type of material that people will learn in that online workshop. Um, what's what's the structure going to be? You know, what can people expect? What are they going to have to do? Just uh, expand on 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 how that course is going to operate, uh, so people can start to think about maybe, oh, I don't know, hypothetically signing up when it opens. Yeah. So probably the day this podcast goes up, I'm going to make it happen. Um, I'm going to put up a form so you can get on the the early bird list. So my intent is to, um, you can go to the landing page, get on the list, and then in a couple of weeks I will open the course for registration And because I want to get everybody started in sync and um, make sure we have enough interest in the class to make it go. So... Um, that's how that will happen. Once you're into the class, the way it will work is there will be a short um, slide presentation, for lack of a better word, a video presentation with me talking about the principles we're trying to cover in this lesson. And these might be five, ten minutes. They're not long. Um, There'll be a worksheet. You'll be able to download the slides. I'll separate out the audio so you can listen to these things um, on your way home on your phone if you want. Um, So lots of different ways to interact with the content. 
I'd like to also create a forum for participants to talk to each other in in the course. Um, and then e each week, I'll open up a different module. So this will take about eight weeks for you to work through. And the reason I'm doing it that way, so you'll only be able to access one lesson the first week, and then the next one will open up. So in the second week, you have access to, of course, the first and second lessons and so on. Um, you might be tempted to say, can I just blast through this thing? Can I just have access to everything? I want to get in there and, and make my whole plan. But um, for one thing, I want to match the course to the needs of people in the course. So if during, as people are moving through it, they say, you know what, here's the problem I'm having. I want to be able to create content to answer those questions in the next module or a, at least a subsequent module. And doing content marketing well I believe requires a consistent approach over time so if you can't if you aren't willing to take a few minutes each week towards this consistent approach I don't think when you blast through the curriculum and try to make your plan that you're going to execute on a consistent basis anyway so the discipline is sort of built into the course okay so yeah that's 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 great because people need to there is so much content out there and it's become very easy for all of us to just skim through our usual feeds and sign up for the course either because we want to and we want to crash through it or because our manager tells us to or whatever it is but to actually get something out of this why not i mean you pay your money and you get your education so the goal yeah. is to make people better at their jobs or help people get better at their jobs so right and i'm hoping like you know a few people if if there's a few people in a company, they're all taking this course and then they're talking to each other about it during the week and say, getting ready to move on to the next thing. So everybody stays in sync and they're working together to build their plan. And at the end of it, they're going to be ready to execute. They're going to know what content they want to make and they're on their way. Yeah. And something, this is another real quick rabbit trail, but something I just want to point out to your audience is that everything we've talked about today has been done before uh, and that's okay. So I mean, you and I have gone through a podcasting course uh, from Rainmaker FM, uh, which was invaluable for me, I think probably for you as well, figuring out how to do the podcasting thing. Um, there are other science podcasts out there. There are plenty of other content marketers and strategists, et cetera, et cetera. And certainly what you're doing is not the first, you know, you're not, creating this whole new industry in online learning, yeah. right? But uh, you found a niche or a niche. I, anymore, I just say it both ways because I don't know. People get so fired up about that one word. You, know, you, you have... You've covered you have, Quebec. Let's put it yeah, right. <laughs> You have a very specific audience that we talked about earlier, and you figured out what they need. And so you are adapting existing ideas to that audience. And so I'd say for everyone listening, whatever your your audience's needs are, if you look around at your competition and you see them doing something, that doesn't mean you don't you you can't do that as well. Just make sure that you do it the right way so that it works both for your goals and for your audience's problems. Right. I mean so one of the things about my business is I'm curious. I like I love learning things. So that's part of the podcast. I'm always curious about learning things. I also enjoy teaching. So I'm as much of an instructor as a consultant. I think 
you know, with with help, a lot of people can do this on their own. They're busy and they might need extra hands. They might need someone to guide them, um, but they just don't have the time to sit down and clear their head and and come up with a plan. But this way, you know, a little bit at a time, it, I think it makes sense. Great. So what do people need to do to get on that list uh, for the early bird? Um, what they should do is to... Um, Go to lifesciencemarketingradio.com slash LSMR and just sign up for my mailing list. And then I will send out an email soon that will point you to get on the early bird list. And then when the course opens, of course, you're going to get an email where you can uh, sign up. Great. Chris, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for uh, letting me flip things around on you. Before we go... Uh, I think people probably know you reasonably well from listening to you over the last 50 some odd podcasts. What's something that people don't know about you? (laughs) What do they not know? I think what they don't know um, from the podcast is um, that I guess I would say I still swim competitively. So that's, that's kind of my other thing. I mean, I, I love being outdoors in general, but the one thing that keeps me going and keeps me sane is, um, live really close to a pool with a very a fantastic master's program and um, that's the thing that most people probably don't know that I really love well Chris Connor thanks so much it's been fun yeah my pleasure thank you David <laughs> well there you have it this kind of uh, episode is really something a lot of podcasters do on their very first episode to let listeners know kind of what the host is all about. David suggested we do this, and I really appreciate um, making this happen. And David's help on um, all the episodes of Life Science Marketing Radio that we've worked on together, and for all the help he's uh, given me for my own marketing. Hey, if you like the podcast, and if you're listening at the end here, I think you do, um, please tell a couple of friends. I'm sure they will appreciate it. Most people are pleasantly surprised to find out that there is a podcast all about marketing and the life sciences. And um, we'd love to hear what other topics, people we should interview. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email. That's chris at lifesciencemarketingradio.com. Pretty simple. And I will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye.